Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I've been following our guests for over a decade. She has been doing amazing work on the planet. Amazing work with the power of intention. And um, one of the leading experts on the field, um, that's when I started following Lynn McTaggart. She released the book, The Field, I think like 15 years ago. And it's really an important piece of work for all of us. So I encourage you to check that out. But today we're talking about something different. She's been conducting mass experiments all over the world of all kinds, having incredible results. And now in her work on intention with all these amazing scientists, she's discovered an astonishing fact. When people carry out intention for each other in small groups of eight, miraculous healings occur virtually in an instant. And when people continue to meet regularly in small groups, every part of their lives begin to heal from relationships to finances, career, and life purpose. However, and I want to really pause here and in this introduction because I think it's the most important reason why I invited Lynn to be on our show. I saw her speak last June in New York City. And Lynn is an amazing, engaging speaker. And I just expected her to talk about the miracles of of everything that's been happening with the experiments because I've followed it and I know she's doing amazing work. But the most memorable and moving part of her presentation may surprise you. It just stopped me in my tracks and opened this whole world of expanded consciousness for me, like this big aha, this big epiphany. And it was that the most astonishing revelation of all that she's learned with people gathering in groups of eight is that people who intend for others, people who are being in circles with other people praying and and sharing their intention to help others heal see their own lives transform and heal. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Breathe into that, would you? And bring your awareness into this moment. As I introduce Lynn McTaggart, she's an award-winning journalist and the author of seven books, including her new book, The Power of Eight. And the worldwide bestsellers, The Field, like I mentioned, The Intention Experiment, and The Bond, all considered seminal books of the new science and now translated into 30 languages. Like I said, Lynn is a dynamic speaker. She's spoken and held workshops before diverse audiences around the world. She's the architect of the Intention Experiment, a global laboratory involving thousands of people around the world testing the power of group thought to heal the world. And this It's such an honor 
to have her with us here today. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you, Julie. It's been great to be with you. Oh, well, thank you. I, um, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm going to sing your praises throughout the hour, but my listeners are used to that when I'm really passionate about something. And this is one of the topics that really gets me going. And so I'm really happy to bring this conversation to our listeners and to really kind of muse into um, how this this whole conversation can help us heal individually and collectively. And so I'm really happy to dig into it. But first, Lynn, I have a traditional first question on my show. I always like to set our conversation into this larger perspective and this theme of what we're talking about here. So can you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? (laughs) <laughs> really good question. Well, I I found that and found uh, scientific evidence for that uh, with my first book in this area, The Field, um, which I published back in 2001, 2002 in the States. Um, and what we discovered is that in the... Um, absolute nethermost level of our being and the being of every element on the planet, there is a little dance going on with subatomic particles. They send energy back and forth like an endless game of tennis. I mean, subatomic particles aren't like little solid billiard balls. They're vibrating packets of energy and they're trading energy as I say, like this little game of tennis. So there's not much energy going on between a single set of subatomic particles. But if you factor in all of the subatomic particles doing all of this energy dance, you get this unbelievable, unfathomable amount of energy. And what's really interesting about this is that gives rise. When they do that, they create a little virtual particle that is there for just less than a blink of an eye. And that creates a giant field. Now, this subatomic field is essentially got two big implications. One, it's, you know, subatomic particles, um, they are also waves, go on to infinity. And they also have an infinite capacity to store information. So when they bump into other subatomic particles, they take on that information. So essentially, this field is kind of a mothership of all information. But it also, with when things bump into other things, and they and the information can go on forever it means everything's connected to everything else so my view of we're all connected is demonstrated in that very scientific sciency idea of we're all part of this giant quantum energy field but the other way that i i know it much more viscerally is my intention experiments and also my experiments with the power of eight which have shown that We create a psychic internet, whether we're in the same room or 8,000 miles away, when we have intention, when we think the same thoughts at the same time. And those demonstrate more than anything else, the psychic internet that we're all connected. Mm, I love that. I, in fact, I wrote that down because you use that a lot and talk about the psychic internet. And it's really a beautiful metaphor that helps us understand this field so much um, more, like you said, viscerally. It's like when we really understand how we literally are connected, um, it, it gives us pause to really 
to to me in my in my mind i um i open to the incredible possibilities and there's a lot of different so i'm i'm curious if you want to if you could speak more about the field because so much is coming out of the new age movement and people with their law of attraction and manifestation and you know a lot of times we jump over some of the basics here of your discoveries and how this really works. So I'm wondering if you could just expand a little bit more on the field and this psychic internet. And then what does that mean to us personally? Okay. Well, first of all, we have this very narrow view of intention. We think intention, and this is really due to a lot of the popular discussions about manifestation, intention, etc. We think that we have this we have this power thought in the morning, let's say, with our meditation. We send out our power thought and that's the only thing the universe hears. But the science shows that we are sending and receiving at every moment, that our brains aren't a repository of information, that those thoughts aren't locked inside our skulls, but they are trespassers. They are beaming out all the time. We are sending and receiving at every moment. And those thoughts are not only things, but things that affect other things, that manage to find their way into other people and things. So basically, we're broadcasting Mm 24-7. So intention means that to me. And secondly, it's being picked up, whether or not it's the person next to you or it's the person, you know, miles and miles away, um, we've demonstrated with one of our intention experiments, um, we worked with the University of Arizona, which set up a very well-controlled experiment with four sets of seeds. Um, And they put them in trays of 30 each. They sent us the four pictures. And I was in Sydney, Australia at the time, um, and the seeds were in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I asked my audience of 700 to select one of those sets of seeds that we would send intention to grow faster than the others. And then when we were done, we didn't tell the scientists which ones we did. We sent intention to. We told them to plant all four sets of seeds. They did. They measured them five days later. And lo and behold, the seeds sent intention grew um, significantly higher than the controls. We did that study six times and every single time the seeds sent intention grew significantly higher than controls. In every instance, my audience were uh, in one case in New York, seeds in Arizona, another case in in Dallas, in California, in in the South, and then over the Internet. And um, in every single case, the South Carolina, every single case, the seed sent intention grew significantly higher than controls. Unpack this for one second. I'm in Sydney, Australia with my audience. We're sending intention. The seeds are sitting in Tucson, Arizona, 8,000 miles away. So there is a perfect demonstration of a psychic internet. Another example of it is when we do intentions together, I find it works really well when people are in a room together who do an intention for someone in their group. It works equally well when they do an intention for somebody outside their group. It works equally well if they're all on Skype scattered around the globe and they send intention together. I've found when we did intention experiments, 
when we all focused on something, you could feel the energy. It is palpable. Even though people were sitting individually in front of their computer screens somewhere around the globe. And in many of them, we've had more than people from more than 100 countries participate. So all of those things demonstrate to me that consciousness forms a connection no matter where we are. Yeah. Consciousness forms a connection no matter where we are. And it, all we have to do is this, the, the attractor is thinking the same thought at the same time, it, it seems to be. Mm. Lynn, I think this um, really listening to you talk about this experiment with the seeds kind of reminds me to go back to the basics for our listeners, because if, if there are anyone, if there is anyone out there that hasn't heard of your work, um, some of the intention experiences, experiments that you've done have been incredible. Do you want to just speak a, f- a little bit more? We've talked about seeds and, you know, before we move into the human part of this, you've done this on objects. You've done it with peace. I mean, this is like you've done intention experiments with so many different subjects. Can you just give us um, maybe a summary of some of the the highlights of your career so far and kind of set it into the context of helping us understand, like you had said, this field that's so powerful, this consciousness that we all have. Well, you know, I sort of bumped into all of this by accident. Um, When I'd finished the field, um, I was intrigued by a number of scientists who were talking about um, and had done experimental work on the idea that thoughts can affect other things, that thoughts are things that affect other things. And the journalist in me, because I'm an investigative reporter by background, was skeptical of all of this. You know, I believe there's scientific data, but I wondered, you know, I had the, you know, the layman's question, well, how far can we take this? You know, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about curing cancer with our thoughts? Or are we just talking about some sort of subtle shift of a quantum particle? You know, how far can we take this? So I set up the intention experiment um, with the idea of testing this to the limit with no real feeling it was going to work. I thought, well, I'll give this a go. So I did a book called The Intention Experiment, which really summarized all of the studies about intention. And then I invited my readers to periodically come onto my website and send intention to some controlled target. And as I say, my even my editor of my book was a little more convinced it was going to work than I was. I wrote all mm. kinds of qualifiers into my book saying, you know, it's good to just ask the question. And, um, and it worked. I mean, we started out small. I worked with various scientists working in consciousness research. Uh, Dr. Gary Schwartz, noted psychologist from the University of Arizona. Um, Dr. Jessica Oates, uh, a noted uh, statistician um, from the University of California, um, specializes in consciousness research and high-level statistics. We worked with Dr. Rustam Roy, the late Rustam Roy, who is probably one of the world's experts on water from um, Penn State University and many, many others. And what I did was started out small. We started out with seeds and leaves, just trying to affect very subtle processes. 
then tried to make them grow faster, then moved on to water, um, trying to purify water. First, trying to just affect water in some tiny little way. Uh, one of the things we tried to do with Penn State was to affect the cluster structure of water molecules. Now, water molecules cluster together, H2O, you know, um, a, a two of hydrogen, one of oxygen, and they cluster together like little pieces of Lego. So they have a regular um, clusters. And it was Dr. Roy's idea that pure water, the purer the water, the better the cluster structures, you know, the more regular the cluster structures. And so we used highly sophisticated equipment, a Raman spectrometer, um, which is accepted in all kinds of scientific circles to see if we could affect these cluster structures. And we had an effect. We had a really interesting effect. Um, we tried to then purify water by affecting the pH, and we had an effect. We did this in a live setting at Lake Biwa in Japan. The late Masaru Moto invited me to come and do an experiment on the lake. So we took samples of water. We had a control. We had one we, we focused on. And I not only had the audience of, of about six 800 um, focus on the water, but also had this running simultaneously on my internet uh, website. And so I had participants from all over the globe as well. And we moved that water, purified it by an entire pH. And on and on it went. We then started focusing on lowering violence in war-torn areas, everywhere from Sri Lanka, which was undergoing a civil war at the time we did, to Afghanistan at the 10th anniversary of 9-11, to, um, to Washington, D.C., to Jerusalem and then Yemen. So we've had seven of those peace intention experiments to date, and every single one has demonstrated some sort of interesting lowering of violence. And then we've even tried to heal somebody of post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, of the, all those experiments, 33 to date, remember, I didn't think they were going to work, but mm -hmm. 29 of them, 29 of them have shown measurable, positive, mostly significant effects. So... There's no pharmaceutical drug out there with that kind of consistent track record. Yeah, thank you for even just dropping that word in because the the power of intention is so un it, it we really are not even maybe you can answer this, but we really haven't even tapped into the fullest extent of of what this can do for us. Do you believe? No, we are just beginning to learn yeah. it. And that's why we wanted to take baby steps along to find this. And really, that's what happened. I now have an even bigger belief that we don't even understand the power of this because of what happened to me with the power of eight groups. I mean, back in 2008, about a year after I started the intention experiment, um, I was curious as to what would happen if I ran a workshop and had small intention there, but I wasn't really sure how to do it because I was starting to see these big effects with the intention experiments, but I wondered, well, okay, what happens if we scale this down? But, you know, I am a reporter by training and a journalist, and I hadn't run many workshops at the time. I've run hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them since, but at the time I hadn't. I wasn't sure what to do, so I was kicking this around with my husband one day. 
And um, he's, he's also a journalist. And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll just put people in groups of eight and just have them send healing intention to a, somebody in the group with a health challenge. And he, being a good headline writer, said, yeah, I love it. The power of eight. And yeah. that's kind of how it started. We, you know, we ran our first workshop in Chicago. We put people in groups of eight. Um, we asked them to find somebody in the group with a health challenge. We had them all formulate the same intention to be held at the same time. I knew a lot about how to do intention because I'd studied that with intention masters to write that book, the intention experiment. And I'd also seen what worked in the lab, but I didn't know what to do about group, small group intention. So I was basically making it up as I went along. You got to hold hands. You have to hold the person this way. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I assumed when they came back the next day and reported on what had happened to them, that we were going to hear that they'd had a very nice feel-good effect, nice and relaxing, like getting a back massage. But that was not what we got. What we got was an extraordinary litany of people lining up one after another saying things like this. I have cataracts and my eyes are 80% better. I have terrible knee arthritis and I'm walking normally today. I, climb, I went down the stairs just normally and there's no pain or anything. I can do, you know, I can do all kinds of things now. I have terrible migraines and my head is clear for the first time in years. I have bad stomach. I have IBS and I'm completely great now. So, you know, on and on and on it went like this. I was absolutely astonished by it and disbelieving. I thought, well, we're seeing a placebo effect here. So I continued to think that but started experimenting with it and then found, well, actually, it's something more than that because not only were the recipients being healed, but I had an awful lot of times where if they focused on somebody with arthritis, the other members of the group with arthritis were also getting better. And there were all kinds of weird mirror effects going on too, both there and in the intention experiments that started me thinking, well, hey, something something really profound here is going on. Hmm. And I, that moment on stage when you were talking about the mirror effects really opened this epiphany for me when when you mentioned that yeah of course people are healing and and you're citing all these amazing healings um almost seems too good to be true right like is this real and what you've learned over time i think is a really important piece of this conversation for us is that just by us participating in the intention and intending for others, praying for others, helping to heal others, our participation is transformative. Yeah. I mean, the reason I got started getting clued onto that was back in 2008, when I ran the first peace intention experiment for Sri Lanka, um, you know, there were amazing things that happened with that experiment. But the most amazing thing of all is what happened to the participants. That was the thing that just took me aback because uh, we had about 15,000 people from all around the world participating. And afterward, I like to find out. I wanted to find out if everybody had been able to get on the internet because there had been some challenges initially and lots of other things. So I surveyed all of our participation uh, participants and back came thousands 
of responses with people saying things like that, like this. Um, um, I felt like I was part of a higher network. Um, I had I was sobbing uncontrollably and had goosebumps up and down my arms. Um, I felt like I was in the middle of a tractor beam in Star Trek. You know, people were describing altered states and states of high, high emotional involvement that were beyond just the feel-good effect you would expect. But even more important, when they reported on their lives, they started talking about how they were getting along better with their spouses and family. They were getting along better with their coworkers and, you know, bosses. Um, they were in love with everyone they came in contact with. That about 50% said something to that effect. I mean, essentially, they were hugging strangers. So I was just blown away by this. Um, and I thought, wow. And then as I carried on with peace experiments, I found that every single time, there's something transformational on some major, major scale was going on with the participants. And it seemed to mirror our focus. So if we were focusing on peace, their lives became more peaceful. If we were focusing on healing, like we did with this fellow Todd Voss, who had he was a Gulf War veteran who was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, their lives began to heal. They, their health challenges began to heal. We had hundreds of people saying, you know, uh, my skin is really improved. I have terrible eczema. I have terrible gut problems. That seems to be over. Um, my arthritis is, has really cleared up, you know, and on and on and on. We were getting miraculous healing stories again, hundreds and hundreds of them in the surveys. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. We need to take a break. But when we come back, um, I, I'm going to ask Lynn how you can start your own intention experiment or your power of eight circle. She will teach you that in the book, The Power of Eight. But we're going to get a little insight in our second half of the show. So we're here with Lynn McTaggart, author of The Power of Eight. I'm Dr. Julie with The Dr. Julie Show, all things connected right here on Empower Radio. We'll be right back. An entire station devoted to your personal development. Welcome to Empower Radio. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Find a relaxed position to let go of the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes. Or when you donated her private diary to the public library. Deep breaths. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. While cutting molding with a 12-inch dual compound miter saw, while holding a newborn baby in your arms, when face-to-face -face with a congregation of alligators, with the ball in your hands and the entire freaking season on the line. There are a million places you'd never consider texting. So parents, why would you do it while driving? NASCAR driver Casey Kane here, asking you to please stop the text. And together, we can stop the wrecks. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Get the message at stoptextstoprex.org. Are you mateys? Welcome to the ocean. 
I've sailed the seven seas a hundred times and found something I like even more than me treasure. Tis the ocean, beautiful and clear. Right now, I'd be sailing over the Great Barrier Reef. It just shivers me timbers thinking of all the fish and coral below me. Wait, what's that floating by? The plastic bag! By Blackbeard's eye patch, that's disgusting. Why did you know that many of these things come from folks throwing them carelessly on the ground? It'd be true. Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. Boys, get the plank ready. Somebody's got to dive in and get that bag. Any volunteers? All right, fine. I'll do it myself. Find out what you can do to help keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, in math, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. Trash. And in gym, in biology, I learned that I'm pathetic that I'm fat and a joke. And in history, Today in I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In biology, in English, I learned that I make I people I'm sick. And, stupid. And, in and at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I, I smell. That I'm a loser. And in chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, me. Chemistry, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... ...is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Adding light to the world, one heart at a time. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and please listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'm here today with the amazing Lynn McTaggart. She's a prolific author, and um, we're talking about the power of eight. You can find out more about Lynn's work at lynnmctaggart.com. And Lynn, right before the break, you were talking a little bit about the um, the states that people get in, and it was reminding me of, of in your book, I love some of the stories about the transcendent states, that mystical brain that you talk about. And I'm wondering if we could just open this second half of the show, talking a little bit about that meditative state. And I'm wondering the effects on the experiments. There's a quote I want to read you that I really love and appreciate here. And I'll tie these two things together. You wrote, many of these esoteric traditions define health as something far greater than an absence of anything going physically awry. For them, true health requires pure and total integration into the whole, a sense of absolute connectedness, while illness results from a sense of alienation from that source. Thank you. Beautiful. I love this quote and get behind it with 
all my might here. And I'm wondering if you've found a correlation between inviting people into the intention experiments which is inviting them into this meditative state, this sense of absolute connectedness. I know that they experience it when they're in the eight. I did a group of eight with you that day in, in June last year when we, when, when I saw you there, I'm wondering what the, what kind of relationship there is to this intention, meditation coming together and the healing that's happening. Okay. Let me explain and differentiate what's going on with an intention group versus simple meditation. Um, We've actually done brainwave studies on our Power of Eight groups because I have been studying and studying this since 2008 to try to figure out what on earth went on in Chicago and for thousands of other people since. Um, And so I have done year-long studies of people who have been involved in ongoing Power of Eight groups. And also Life University, one of the largest chiropractic universities in the world, offered to put their neuroscience department at my disposal. And so they ran, they've already run the first of a series of studies we plan to do on Power of Eight groups. The first one, we got volunteers from the student body, uh, you know, would-be chiropractors, just coming in and forming our little Power of Eight groups. And most of these people had never even meditated before, let alone done a Power of Eight group. And we put an EEG cap on one member of each group, a sender. And here's what we found consistently over all of the groups. The brainwave signatures, which is what an EEG cap measures, were nothing like meditation, which we didn't expect. We thought it was going to look just like meditation. What we found is that the very quickly after being part of this power of eight group, the parts of the brain, the parietal lobes, which sit in the very back of the head, you know, toward the back on either side, um, which govern our sense of self. They tell us what's me and what's not me. And they help us navigate through space by saying, this is me, this is not me. They were dialed way down. And so were other parts of the brain, notably Um, the part of the right frontal lobes involved in worry, doubt, negativity, also turned way down. What these were, were brainwave states that were almost identical to um, Sufi masters involved in chanting or Buddhist monks involved in ecstatic prayer. They were instances of people entering a state of ecstatic oneness. Now, that is not a quiescent state like meditation. That is an active, focused sense of transcendence. And that's exactly what they were describing. Remember? Goosebumps goosebumps all down my body, sobbing uncontrollably, you know, feeling like I'm in some kind of amazing altered state, not feeling my body anymore. All those kinds of states. So These are people who have lost their individuality and entered a state of ecstatic oneness. They've had a mystical experience, essentially. And here was the thing that was so mind-boggling for me. You know, it takes years to become a Buddhist monk 
and many hours of practice to do Sufi chanting, um, you know, to become a whirling dervish. I mean, these guys were, you know, student volunteers. They'd never even meditated, let alone done a power of eight group. And they just had a little bit of, they had a 12 minute video for me giving them the fundamentals. Nevertheless, they were transported into this extraordinary altered state. It was like a, you know, a fast track to the miraculous. And so it, it clued me in on something really profound, which is, you know, we don't need ayahuasca or sweat lodges or, you know, walking on our knees for hours or whatever to get into an altered state to feel the trans- transcendent or the divine. We just need a group and a focus on somebody besides ourselves. Yeah, right there is an important piece that you write about, too. Um, Can you speak more about that? Because the focus on someone outside of ourselves is the key here. It's really important. It is the key here. And um, I I recognize that, first of all, from the intention experiments, when people were getting healed, when they were trying to heal a poor, beleaguered country like Sri Lanka or Afghanistan, um, and I also found that, you know, when they focused on in the power of eight groups, um, one of the things that I did to try to see what would happen was put people into groups of eight and observe them for a year. I got 250 people to be part of a master class. And after I'd done six weeks of training, um, I put them into groups and they stayed in groups for a year. Now I've ritualized this into an annual master class that I'll be starting on February 2nd this year. And it goes for an entire year. Um, and I observe, I monitored them every month, every week. I wanted to find out what was going on. Um, and I was constantly in touch with them after the teaching and did backup calls. And they filled out questionnaires all the time telling me not only how their health was, but also their finances, their career, their relationships, their life's purpose. I wanted to see if everything in their lives would start to heal. And it was fascinating. We had amazing results right off the bat. You know, one woman with 15 years worth of chronic fatigue who could barely walk her dog for 10 minutes without having to lie down all afternoon. Um, After her group, did intended for her. She found out the source of her chronic fatigue, and she is now lifting weights and going on hikes. Uh, we had somebody else with lifelong depression, very embarrassing as a clinical psychologist. And he had his group, again, focus on helping him find the source of this depression, because as you can imagine, being an integrative specialist, he tried everything, alternative and uh, otherwise. And as a result of that, he got a brainwave to check out his liver filtration systems, and one of them wasn't working. That was sending toxins right into his brain, and that turned out to be the cause. And that he healed that, and not only healed that, healed his depression, and everything in his life changed. He went back to his fighting weight. He overcame his writer's block. Um, he, his Qigong practice improved his patient body, you know, he was more efficient and effective with them and everything was going on. But, you know, there were a few people, Julie, where nothing was happening. The group kept intending for them and nothing was happening. And so I was just frustrated one day and I just said, oh, well, like to Andy, Andy was, um, 
recently divorced and she was um, she had sm- small children. She'd given up her gift store business, wanted a new challenge, had lots of experience as a coach and a marketing person, but she wasn't getting anywhere applying for a job. And, you know, she was getting a little frantic. So they tried everything. And then finally, I just said, oh, Andy, get off of yourself. Stop intending for yourself. Start intending for someone else. And I had presented all of the groups in this master class with a challenge because I... um, stepfather had written me in about his stepson, Luke, who was 15 and had just broken up with his first serious girlfriend. And in a fit of existential angst, he threw himself off a 40-foot structure onto hard ground. And the Luke broke everything in his body. He broke his all his bones. He had nerve damage, brain damage, everything. The doctors didn't think he was going to live. Um, so we set up a weekly healing intention for Luke for about three weeks while his stepfather kept up a running commentary with me about how he was responding to our intentions, which was fascinating. And Luke had enormous responses to our intentions. And upshot was he got out of the hospital in record time. So that was really amazing. He healed. And maybe it was good doctoring. Maybe it was us. But The more interesting thing, as far as I was concerned, was what happened to Andy. As soon as Andy put her focus on Luke, out of the blue that following week, she gets a call from somebody she doesn't even know offering her her dream job. Mm. So I and that played out again and again and again to the point where I started realizing that altruism was a really important piece here. And the science really does back that up. Um, the science, you know, of altruism is essentially shows that altruism is a bulletproof vest. People who do things for other people are healthier, happier, and live longer in every regard. Mm, Beautiful. Beautiful. So this is a beautiful prescription for um, individuals as well as our collective healing on the planet. So I want to just be kind of move into, um, how our listeners can do this for themselves. And I I really want to talk about constructing a power of eight circle. If they want to do this, it's very simple. Can you give them the instructions? Okay. Well, I can't give all the instructions on this one little, you know, broadcast, but I can give you a couple of tips. Um, It's all the instructions are outlined in detail in my book, The Power of Eight. And then we go into a lot further um, and in-depth work in all of the workshops I do, all the retreats I give. Um, I'm going to have a retreat in in Spain in early October. Uh, Our master class is about sold out, but um, there might be a a few places left, that's it. But we run periodic workshops for this. But the nuts and bolts of it are basically to get a batch of friends together. Um, it doesn't have to be eight. Eight's kind of a Goldilocks figure. You know, it's not too big, it's not too little. Um, but I found it works with five and it works with 12. I think more than 12, it starts getting unwieldy. And under five is a little bit small, particularly when you're setting out. And you basically just meet regularly and send an intention to a member of the group. And I will give you one big hint that's really important here. And that is to be specific. 
I mean, there is all kinds of stuff out there about don't really tell the universe what you want. Don't be specific. You'll limit or you'll be negative or all this kind of stuff. In my experience with their intention experiments and the power of eight, when people are not specific, it doesn't work so well. So being specific is really, really important. Tell the universe exactly what you want. If you don't know what you want or you don't know how to heal, have the group ask for you finding out how to, finding out the answer. That has worked for a lot of people in my groups over the years. But basically, it's about holding that intention at the same time. There's another tip, which is, as I said earlier, you can meet in person but you can also meet virtually. And if you don't have seven other friends who want to do this, you can come on to my website, lynnmctaggart.com forward slash forum, where we will help you set up a group, a virtual group. You can either join one that exists or you can advertise on that forum for people in your time zone who want to meet regularly virtually. Either Beautiful. one works. Either one works. Beautiful. And the the book does outline everything for you. It's so helpful. In the back of this book, it's going to teach you exactly what you need to do and how to construct that intention clearly, what to ask for. This The book is really uh, an incredible resource. So, Lynn, while I have you here then, um, I know lots of our listeners um, really are good evolutionary leaders and, and thinkers and really care about the planet. And I'm wondering what you might offer them for the healing of the planet. You did, there's one quote that you have that I think is really good medicine for us. And we talk about this concept a lot at Good of the Whole. And you wrote, offering your time to work for the greater good obviously produces more than just a warm and fuzzy feeling. It proves strengthening to both mind and body and that goes along with the concept that we've just talked about of doing the intention for someone else like we get out of ourself where a lot of depression and anxiety begins when we're focused on ourselves. Oh, i have to heal myself i want poor me you know whatever that is and we're moving into serving others so when you write that about the greater good, offering our time to work for the greater good. That feels like a prescription that really can change our world. And I'm wondering with, um, you know, just looking at how do we create this whole worldview when we're looking at all of your research, the field, the intention experiments, the power of eight, to me, this is a tool and a practice that can help shift our consciousness. So what more might you teach us or inspire us to step into here as we're moving forward to in service of the planet, in service of the greater good? Well, I mean, one of the things that I noticed is with our intention experiments is I, I carried out two of them recently. Uh, one last November and the one the November before, where I was using special technology that enabled me to get 
audiences from different locations. And I was working with a guy who is like the Deepak of the Middle East, um, who has a big following in all of the Arab countries. So he had been running a summit that I was part of. And so we had audiences from eight different um, Arab countries. And the ninth audience, I had been talking with an Israeli documentary maker who wanted to be part of an intention experiment. So for the ninth audience, we had an audit auditorium filled with Israeli Jews. So we had Arabs and Jews together. And I ran an intention experiment for Jerusalem for lowering violence in an area that had been very high level um, it, with Jerusalem and um, a high level of violence. And afterward, we got some data that shows that it seems like the violence went down. But that wasn't as interesting as what happened right after the intention together. Because it was technology where I had, we had cameras in these eight, nine different locations, they could see us, we could see them, and we could interact. It was a two-way communication. And so I asked them to talk to the different audiences, members of the different audiences to talk to each other. So we had people from, you know, from Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and uh, Oman and Bahrain talking to the audiences, the other audiences, including the Israeli Jews. You have to realize that both sides, the Arabs and Israelis, have grown up to absolutely loathe, despise each other. They are the other, the enemy. And yet, right after this experiment, they were sending love to each other. The, you know, the people from Jeddah and Saudi Arabia were saying to the Israelis, you know, we love you, sister. Your God is our God, mm -hmm. and vice versa. And it was so incredibly moving. And I realized that there is something so powerful in this group intention, this group prayer, if you want to call it, that allows the heart to leap across the fence. So one of the things that I think is really important in creating power of eight groups, and one thing I'm really going to work on this next year, is bringing polarized individuals together. So that's one idea. But the other thing, too, is I will explain why this is so important. And it's not just feel good, oh, gosh, you know, I, I donated some money to charity, but it's vital for your life to get off of yourself and do, um, do works of altruism like intention works. Um, there was a study looking at two groups of individuals. The first group were very affluent. They were living the good life, living the dream as we define it. They had all the money in the world. They had loads of vacations. They were just set. And when the researchers looked at, and they lived for pleasure, when the researchers looked at their immune system markers, they found they were terrible. These guys were real candidates for heart disease, Alzheimer's, cancer, you name it. They were going to be dropping like flies. They looked at another group who weren't as affluent but were living a life of service. And these guys had amazing, robust immune systems. These people were going to live forever. And that, to me, said it all. Essentially, you know, the key to a long and healthy life is not self-help. It's other help. Mm. That's just incredible. Other help, not self-help. You know, we're changing the paradigms. Thank you for contributing to that, Lynn. So if someone in your um, realm, I was to say your family is sick, one of your loved ones, what's the first thing you do? You have, we haven't even talked about all the work that you've done with health. We have about five yeah. minutes left. So just in this oh, three wow. minutes or left. Yeah. And the show's gone so fast. But what would be the first thing you did? Okay, well, let's let's 
use my mother-in-law as an as an example. My mother-in-law, who is a very old style, she's passed now, but this was years ago when she was 79. Um, she was. Uh, she had cancer that she had nursed herself breast cancer didn't tell anybody about it until we bumped into her and she was you know she went ouch and we finally found out brought her to her gp who said she had three months to live too late for any of the conventional stuff which in a way delighted us because we brought her to a doctor who championed alternative non-drug solutions for cancer and patrick uh, i knew she was going to be healed by one thing. Her breast looked like raw meat So when he examined her. And I was in the room, and the GP had told us about this, and he recoiled. When, when Patrick looked at her, he just said, oh, I think we can handle that. And I thought, yes, that's the moment she's going to be healed. That's it. That absolute assurance that she is going to get well is what did it. And he he gave her intravenous vitamin C. He changed her diet, got rid of some of the sugars and other things. Edie lived many more years. Her whole cancer, her cancer completely reversed within a few months. And so the first thing I would do would be to go to, first of all, get it thoroughly diagnosed. And conventional medicine's good at that to some degree. And then start seeking out the very best alternative practitioners. And on top of that, create a power of eight group and send healing intention to him or her. Mm, Beautiful. Well, I have to tell you, uh, last week on the show, I began to cough and developed this horrible chest thing and was coughing and, and had so much congestion. So last night I put out on the internet and said, help in honor of Lynn McTaggart and the power of eight. And because I believe in this, send me your energy. And I tell you, I haven't coughed at all on this show. And I know I still sound a little nasally, but um, I'm with you, Lynn. I, I'm <laughs> behind you 100%. This has been it awesome. Works. It, it works. works. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, that's so great. Oh, well, I'm so pleased that it has. And I really encourage people to try it for themselves. And also join me at lynnmctaggart.com. If you sign up on my website, you'll get information about our next uh, big intention experiments, which prove life-changing not only for the targets, but for the participants. And we're planning, I'd love to do the next one, bringing both Republicans and Democrats together and Brexiteers and Remainers over here in the UK, because these polarized populations really need to come together. Oh, beautiful. I'm on board with you on that one. I want to help. So I'm going to go make sure I'm signed up and ready for that. That's that's incredible. I also have um, a contact I need to talk to you about with Jerusalem. They um, are going to do something for the International Day of Peace next year, and, and they would love your help as well. So wonderful. Lynn- Thank you so much for enlightening us today and sharing this wisdom, this inspiration, and the the power that's in this intention experiment. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been my great pleasure, Julie. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And I want to leave our listeners with more of your words. Intending as a group created what could only be described as an ecstasy of unity a palpable sense of oneness. A cosmic power seemed to work through us, providing a feeling repeatedly described as coming home. The responses from participating suggested 
from those participating suggested that the group intention experience breaks down separation between individuals, allowing them to experience the God consciousness of pure connection. Many found it profoundly transforming and opening into a reality they never knew existed. Many of our listeners out there are looking for that experience. I'm pointing you in the direction of The Power of Eight by Lynn McTaggart. And hopefully we will all be healing the planet together in this way. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. 